Guys, welcome back to the After Action Review. You know me. I'm Nick Guy, the world's most okayest Green Beret, and you guys have come to expect more than okay guests. <laughs> and I continue, dude, I continue, to, I continue to come through for you guys. So I don't want to hear it anymore on the, on, the, on the timeline. I don't want to hear it in my DMs. I don't want to get your text messages saying I don't love you because I do come through every once in a while. Guys, today... Nick Irving, you guys know him. Well, you probably know him. Um, if you haven't, you got to pick up his books. We'll get into that. Uh, former third bat sniper, really the height of the GWAT. He was right in the middle of it. Um, he, he definitely got his gun on, and uh, he, you know, he came home and he just fucking crushed it, dude. So, dude, thanks so much for coming on. I appreciate it, man. Hell yeah. I'm pretty okay, pretty average too, man. I don't know. I, I don't know. Well, maybe with some things, but you know, yeah, before yeah. we were talking about like best hair on the podcast, right? <laughs> and that that you know, I don't know, man. You're you're definitely giving Joe Kent a run for his money. So right, hey, maybe hell a yeah, man. More, maybe a little more than okay in in some in some. <laughs> it's regard. the uh, it's the uh, uh, fish, man. I eat a lot of fish. Is that it? Yeah. Is that it? Tuna, ta tilapia, tilapia. Yeah, man. Mainly a lot of tuna, just tuna. Ahi tuna. I like that. See, like that's the good times, stuff, though. Four times a week. Hell yeah. See, maybe that's maybe that's what's lacking. Maybe I just need more fish in my purse. Eat a lot of exactly. Dude, it's the fish oil, man. It's good for your like hair. Good for your skin, your nails. Truly, fish oil, man. Man, I, but maybe I'll just start rubbing it in or something. <laughs> I will start smelling like fish. Is he on his? <laughs> Never mind, man. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Oh, we'll leave it at that. We'll leave it at that. But right. dude, thanks so much, man. Hell yeah. Appreciate it, man. Hell yeah. All right. So just kind of kick us off, man. I, anybody that comes on, anytime I have a vet on, I, I always like to ask like, Hey, how, how do you, how'd you join the army or how'd you join whatever branch? So, you know, just take us from the beginning, dude. Dude, I want to say it started in, I was middle, uh, not middle school. I was in a sixth grade. Well, my parents, nope. Take it back. My parents were both in the army. Uh, during the Cold War, back when, you know, spying on Russia and stuff like that, they used to copy Morse code. They were intelligence, and it would intercept Morse code and transmissions and decode it and stuff like that. So I was born overseas in Augsburg, Germany. Stayed there for about three, four years, moved to the States. And I remember seeing my dad in fatigues all the time, the old uh, uh, BDU green fatigues, the ones that actually work, you know? in the woods. multi is pretty good, but I like the old BDUs, you know, and the, the shiny boots and stuff. Oh, yeah, and man. The, and the, the one cap. Dude, what cap? Not the camel one, but he used to wear the, uh, I call it like a boat hat for their dress, their Class A uniforms, the old boat hats. Oh, they yeah, yeah. Rectangle things, yeah. Yeah. And that always, like, intrigued me as a kid and dressing up like my dad and my mom and stuff like that. And, dude, in the, in the sixth grade, I kind of understood or fully understood with the Military guys did watching movies with uh, Chuck Norris in it, Delta Force and Navy SEALs with Charlie Sheen. Watched all those and the Sniper movie with the ah uh, Tom Berenger. Tom Berenger, yeah, seen all those, man. Terrible, terrible movies, man. Are you kidding me? Dude, the That's first Billy one, Zane's best work. Uh, the first one was actually good. I like it. It's it's good on like a nothing to do rainy day. It, it's a, it's a, it brings back a good childhood childhood memory. But other than that, man, I would say, no, the other ones are not that great. But, uh, oh, you're talking about the other actor. 
Yeah, Billy Zane. He had the yeah, the, yeah that the, dude the is Gucci horrendous, skin. bro. Horrendous, bro. It was his yeah. best work. I know people say, oh, Titanic with Billy Zane. No, 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 dude. He did play in Titanic. He was the crooked dude. Yeah, dude. He was he was the dickhead. Wow. In Titanic. Just realize that. Dude, he you know, that, that's that's well. for you to use uh, at a trivia night in the near future. Dude, yeah, right. Who was the sniper who was also in Titanic? Yeah, and yeah, exactly. That's Billy Zane, oh. and Billy Zane. He, he wasn't military. I don't know why DC Metro. Right. He's yeah. DC Metro or some shit. Yep, he was a regular civilian guy working with uh, Tom. That's right. Damn, bro. But I, mean, I don't know. He kind of like fell underneath that umbrella, especially the second movie. He was kind of like really military, military-ish. He was more under that umbrella. But yeah, man, terrible movies, like Shooter. But, uh, and I got some cool news for you. I, I'll save it for later. But um, you'll be like the first podcast to know. Because I Perfect. literally just found this out like 40 minutes ago. But um, dude, so yeah, I, I kind of got into the whole thing of my dad being in the military and wanted to join and uh, that stuck with me all the way through school from sixth grade to, you know, to the time I graduated high school. I went to, uh, I was in ROTC throughout high school and I went to the Navy Sea Cadet Corps. My mom signed me up to be in the Navy Sea Cadets out in Annapolis. I used to want to be a Navy SEAL, you know, for Oof. the longest time. Um, I thought thank, Navy SEAL was good. Thank God that got out of your system. Right. The, and dude, it was, uh, it was one of those things that, on Discovery Channel, they would always have these Navy SEAL specials. This was before global war on terrorism started, and they were still talking about, you know, taking over oil rigs and stuff like that in, uh, in Iraq or off the coast of it. And um, they had Bud's Class 234 on Discovery Channel. And I watched that entire series of, you know, Hell Week and what it was like. And I put myself through a mini Hell Week, like uh, during summer vacation. Um, it lasted like two days, I didn't sleep. Uh, through the Navy Sea Cadet Corps, went through the Baby SEAL program, and that was a pretty legit, I say it's legit, but it's just the, the physical portion to get in it. You have to com uh, complete the actual Navy SEAL physical fitness test, like 500 meter swim, and like, was it 12 minutes, 30 seconds, or something like that? The push-ups, sit-ups, and pull-ups, and one and a half mile run in boots and, and pants. Did that, got in the course, and you know, it was Baby SEAL, you know, and so went to the recruiter, uh, my senior year and signed up, wanted to be a Navy SEAL and went on to take all the little pre test to your eye vision and stuff like that. And ended up failing the color vision test. The, uh, what was that test? Easy horror test. The, the book where they flip it open and circle pictures in there. Oh yeah. 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 For like yeah. Uh, red, red, green color blindness kind of deal. Yep. And that's what I am. So I, you know, failed that, uh, got, the only one I got right was the number 12. I'll never forget. It was a purple 12. And it was the one you're, you know, everybody or the one you are not supposed to be able to see. And I was like, dude, it's a 12, you know? And after that, I was like, man, making stuff up. Uh, so that like shattered my dreams. So when I went, uh, after that, I went home. Dude, I cried for like a few days. Uh, went on the internet. That's, this was back in like dial up. So you had to wait 15 minutes before an actual page would load up. Um, and I studied, I tried to study every combination of the easy horror test there ever was on the internet. And you could, you know, find the results of them, studied the hell out of those things. And I went back to go take it. And they gave me a, a separate test. It was one with lights on it. And I failed that one. But as I was failing, this army nurse 
you know, dude, I was breaking down. She was feeling sorry for me. And she brought me over to take a personal easy heart test where she flipped it open and she just traced out the, you know, what the, the numbers were inside it. So I just read her finger tracing and I was like, oh, I got 14 out of 14. And joined the army. This recruiter was like, you know, um, do you want to join the army? And I asked him, do you, what do you guys have that are like Navy SEALs? And he's like, Army Rangers. They're like Navy SEALs, but they don't swim. I was like, you know, whatever, sign me up for it. Um, I watched Black Hawk down like two times, but I only knew what Delta Force was because of Chuck Norris. I never knew what the Rangers were. Um, so yeah, went on through, uh, what was it, Option 40 contract, and um, it was an OSIT, which was 14, dude, I want to say it was what, 14 weeks? Yeah, back, yeah. Um, now it's like 21, but yeah. It's, really? It's, yeah, they just... Yeah, they just extended that. Um, they had on desert phase, you know. <laughs> I, I, dude, I don't know. I think it's. I don't know what they're. I don't know what the added. Maybe it's like more combat skills or something. I think they go uh, a little more into like some. I don't know. Maybe things that you and I can debate the merits of. Yeah. That, you know, does a basically trained infantryman really need to go through like instinctual shooting? Mm. No. No. <laughs> no, I don't think half a basic training was just more or less waking up early and doing fire guard. That's what it was for me, man. So yeah, I graduated, uh, went into the army, did the 14 week OSIT, but dude, I wanted to quit. Like as soon as I got to, uh, maps, I didn't do not maps. It was, a uh, no, don't tell me. Dude. It was, a uh, Oh, here it is. You got don't it. tell me, bro. This was, a uh, this was, a uh, uh You've got 30th it. AG, bro. There it is. AG. There it is. That Dude, place, worst, worst place on planet yeah. Earth. That place was like hell, man. I'm pretty sure, you know. I, I got sick, and that like lowered my morale a lot. Everyone's morale. It was the first time I ever seen someone try to commit suicide. Like two people try to commit suicide in, in, in 30th AG. And dude, I was like, well, these guys are older than me, and I was 17, and dude, I wanted to go home, man. My parents signed the parental consent thing, and Dude, I just wanted to leave home. It was terrible. I hated being home. But um, tried running away and stuff like that. Dude, I'm trying to take off my shoe. That's why I keep leaving. <laughs> you're, you're good, man. You're good. Dude, get but, uh, comfortable. I, you know, it's, it's COVID, man. You shouldn't even be wearing right? pants to begin with. Right, dude, I'm not. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> just, just, just tennis shoes and, and a shirt, no pants. So I roll. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, dude, it was uh, – 30th AG is when I wanted to really quit. I used to call home uh on the payphone you wait in this long line and you know get a phone call i would tell my dad how much i wanted to quit and you know how much i hated it uh finally moved on to basic training the actual i was in foxtrot 254 is this new place on sand hill uh they had built for the the uh basic training guys and it, most of my class it was a my platoon was 55 and we had a platoon of uh like 40 or so option or four, 18 x-ray and the rest were option 40. Um, I don't think anybody from my class made it. You no, know, there was one guy who made it through the uh, Green Beret process out of everybody. And then I was the only one to make it out of that platoon to make it to a uh, third Ranger battalion. All luck, man. So yeah, after basic crying my way through, I had two terrible stress fractures uh, in my shins. And after that, like wanted to quit, went to airborne school, um, have a terrible fear of heights. Like anything above 10 feet for me, I start flipping out. Our things start to like really get. You yeah, know, you get the, you get the uh, the tunnel vision. Yep, yeah. yep, dude, I I I can dunk. 
you know, but staying up there too long. <laughs> you don't want to hang on to the I'm you don't want to hang on to the hoop, man. You know, I'm not trying to hang. No, I just want to dunk. But yeah, I'm like an eight foot man. But um yeah, bro, it was uh it was an interesting, you know, fear to not even overcome. It was just like, dude, jumping out of planes was a rush, but something I thought I would run from, you know, you never hear stuff like that and no, it just never hear of anybody jumping out of planes or even making it or even pursuing the path that I was going on. Gotcha. And um, made those jumps, called home. I was like, dad, you know, this is badass. I'm jumping out of planes and like the coolest dude on the planet right now. And bro, we, uh, they came to that graduation. I got honor grad from airborne school. You know, that means absolutely nothing at all. But I'm honor grad. Uh, went on to... RIP at the time, it was called RIP, Ranger Indoctrination Program. Um, now it's RASP. And mm -hmm. back then it was like a month long, but it was just a beat fest. Like you would get beat, bro, so bad. Uh, it was uh, it's still at Fort Benning, Georgia. And dude, I think not the hardest thing I've ever done in my life was RIP. It was, it was brutal though. I think one of the most brutal things I've ever done, um, just the constant lack of sleep, lack of food, and the beat down, just push-ups for, you know, three hours, eight hours, and then low crawl from this wood line to that wood line that's 300 yards on your face. You know, I hate that. So it's, we had a class of like 98 plus, and we graduated six from that original class plus one rollover. I was the only guy who didn't have to say a stanza of the Ranger Creed at graduation, and uh, chose third bat because my family uh, my mom's side of the family is all from Georgia. So like a 35 minute drive, I was basically back at home where I would go every summer in a small town called Hogansville, Georgia, uh, a lot of country out there. And so I grew up learning how to hunt and stuff like that, learning how to shoot shotguns before I learned how to do it back in my neighborhood. You know, <laughs> when it was a, you go to court for it. No, that ended up happening. I ended up going to court, uh, for, a, a gun went off. Well, it's like statute of limitations now, right? Yeah, dude. That's it, it, old news, okay. bro. Yeah. I was a little kid, man. And I told my best friend, Zach, well, not my best friend. He was like, I wasn't, we weren't bullies, but the the way our neighborhood was structured, you, you had to display certain levels of dominance, right? I wasn't, you know, the toughest guy. There's a lot of fights and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But um, Zach was underneath on that totem pole of the hierarchy. And so uh, I told him, yeah. Well, have you have you seen the movie A Christmas Story? Yes, sir. Oh, yeah. All right. So you know you have the, you got the the kids, then you got the bullies. Yeah. But then you have the froggies or the frogs. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Frogs. So it sounds like yeah, you were the bully. Your your <laughs> your bro was the froggy. That was a little <laughs> yeah. kid that yeah that was all. And then me, I would be the kid that you guys were bullying because no dude, no we I never that's I never bullied anyone. He was just the kid that. He had, he was one of the kids that just was I don't know, bro. Like oh my, like you just beat him up every once in a while. <laughs> not because he was, not because you're a bully. He would do like stuff that would just. He just needed his ass kicked. He needed his ass kicked like often, you know. His parents <laughs> didn't do it, but anyways, bro, it was a. Uh, we needed a gun one day, and <laughs> I told him to go home, and he told me his dad had a gun. He knew where he kept it, and I was like, well, I have shotguns and rifles and stuff in my house. And I can't carry that. So he had a pistol. He went inside and got it. And I was testing it out. This was before I knew anything about guns. I took the mag out, but I had no idea that was one of the chamber. 
And this was like an old 25 auto grandma's pistol, silver, oh. pearl handle, cute little oh, pistol. Beautiful. Yeah, right? Little hammer on it. And uh, I'm pointing at all my friends. I'm like, you know, practicing how I was going <laughs> to do what I was going to do. And uh, I'm like, dude, I don't need this. And I gave it back to the little kid, Zach. And I pointed at my, no, I, first I pointed at my best friend. This is my best friend. We still talk to this day. I pointed at his head because I'm practicing something. And then I'm like, oh, I don't know, man. Give it back to Zach. Zach goes behind the bushes and we all turn away. And I just hear pop, a loud pop. I look back at him and the way he looks after this gun went off, I'm like, oh, he shot himself, you know? My best friend, Andre, he hits a 40-yard dash like in 1.2 seconds. He goes into his grandmother's house and I see him poking out the window. And I'm trying to figure out what's going on. So the neighbor comes out of the house starts wrestling this gun away from Zach because he's frozen. I thought he was frozen dead. And, you know, the wrestling the gun away and all this and that, and you know, a little scruffle or whatever, and finally get the gun away. My sister is at home. She's a little snitch. So she calls my dad and she's like, Nick just was shooting on the side of the house and all this and that. <laughs> my dad rushes home in this old pickup green truck Ford and uh, cops are there at this time. And, and yeah, it, it, it went on from there. Yeah, I lied my ass. I was like, it was a rubber band gun. I thought it was a rubber band gun. We had a rubber band go gun war like an hour before this happened. And he said it was a cap gun. And here we are, you know, <laughs> popping off on the side of the house, man. And went to court for it and got um, uh, child neglect for, you know, the, the adults and parents and stuff like that. And oh, Jesus. community service and stuff like that for, I forget how long it was. Not that long. But yeah, a few hours, like 96, something like that, hours of community service or whatever, some fines. But yeah, then I just stopped. Yeah, I acquired a gun after that the other way. And <laughs> I kept that in my, my shoebox in my room and my dad found it one day. And uh, that was bad. That was bad. Oh, shit, shit yeah, dude. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm just going to imagine that, yeah, that, the, that the ass beating that, that followed was yeah, yeah. swift. Yeah, that was what I... That was what I needed, I guess. Joni Army, and, you know. I, uh, yeah, so, yeah, that was that little story of, of that, man. But, um, yeah, joined the, the military and uh, went to 3rd Ranger Battalion. Um, it's like one of the, the units you don't really want to choose to go to. It's because it's such on, underneath the flagpole. You have the command 75th Ranger Regiment's right there. Headquarters is right there. And it's really, really strict. I, I will say that, like. Uh, this was a time when everyone was growing their hair out, you know, doing all fun stuff, you know, when you're not away, when you're away from the flagpole and we weren't allowed to do stuff like that. But we would get, I think, in my opinion, better missions. My opinion, I think the missions we got were better. We would do more stuff. Like our op tempo was, you know, averaging like 120 missions per 90 days. And that oh, was wow. a really, really, really good time uh, to be in. But we had a pretty good op tempo. We got some pretty cool missions, worked with damn near a lot of cool people of course you know delta force and stuff when delta force was really really cool not even was but they still are but as a kid you're like dude you know who you are you're like it's like working with michael jordan kobe bryant larry bird the greats you know it, it is and Honestly it's me. and that's something that that even like conventional side dudes or civilians don't understand like Mm -hmm. Yeah, like you can walk around with your tan beret or your green beret, right? And you're yep. feeling pretty good about yourself. 
Yeah. And then like you, you know, you do like you get pulled over for like a little trainer. You run across those dudes overseas. And then yep. you, you really come to a realization. How conventional that, you really are. Yeah. You ain't shit, man. Yeah, like, dude. dude, like it's not just them. Like any, really uh-huh. any like smew dude. Yep, um, yep. Like you got, you, know, you, got green, you got orange, you got 23rd yep. STS and, the, and you're like, mm-hmm. holy fuck. Like, yeah. What, what the hell am I doing with my career? No, like, dude, it, it hit me my first deployment. Oh, I'll get to that. So I did third Ranger battalion. Went there for a six-month uh, training cycle. The guys were just getting back from Afghanistan. Uh, when the reporter got his head, he was beheaded in Afghanistan. Uh, Nick. Uh, yeah, dude, Bird. Nick was Bird? it Bird? Yeah. Yeah. So they were just getting back from that mission or that deployment. Um, I was a brand-new guy being scared. I had my room issued to me. Didn't have a TV. No, you know, None of the stuff that the average barrack room, barracks room has. It's just a bed, dresser, and that's it. I had my two duffel bags and, yeah, two duffel bags. That was it. Uh, heard the guys coming in, locked my door. I'm scared. I'm like, dude, I'm 18 at the time. I'm like, dude, these guys have probably killed people, you know. What are they going to think of me? I've never been around killers before. It was cool. And it was weird, you know. Uh, they came banging on my door and invited me out for some beer and stuff they had in the barracks. and. Everyone there was like 18, 19, 20, and we're, dude, getting wasted. You know, I've never been drunk before that. I would drink, sip on a Heineken because I'm cool and airborne, you know. But yeah. then I start drinking with the guys, man, and it was like, what the fuck, you know. And are we allowed to cuss on here, bro? Yeah, dude. I almost Go slipped. Okay. You know? But, um, yeah, man, and uh, that next day we had PT and, and introduced to – what the hell that was, you know, and an eight mile, I think it was at least an eight mile run, at least an eight mile. And I'm not the best runner, but I, I'm dude, if it's a 30 minute time hack, I'm coming in at like 2930, you know? Yeah. That's, that's how I was at, you know, okay. as a runner. Um, yep. You know, and, and they, and they say, listen, the whole reason you become SF is so that you never have to run again in your army. Uh, um, smart. If it turns out that's not true, that's just a recruiting slogan. Wow. But, but yeah, man, like I, I'm, yeah. Um, like running isn't, see, running's probably a little bit of a bigger culture in the Ranger Regiment than it is in SF. Huge, um, we, we use rucking. That's, that's, that's you guys. Are, yeah, I can see yeah, that. that. That's our, that's kind of standard. And that's where you get your, your shit talking between team dudes and things like that. Well, I didn't go SF, man. Would never want to go SF. But I did read a few books before I joined uh, of SF, and I had a big poster in my room of a Green Beret in a ghillie suit with all the pine needles and stuff over him. Um, I never understood Green Berets. I thought, no, what turned me off as a kid of the Green Beret lifestyle was that you guys were too, not scattered, but it was like, you have too many jobs, you know? It's like, man, you have to learn how to speak a language, then you have to maybe teach people, then build stuff, and I just wanted to go fight, you know? Yeah, dude. And, and that's the thing. Like, if, you and know, I was not good in school either. It's, <laughs> I mean, it's, and that's the thing. It's, and it was something I always tell, like, like kids that are looking into the army and, and soft mm-hmm. and things like that. I had, and I, I tell them, listen, like to us, like if you're, if, if you're an SF dude, like to us, like unconventional warfare is sexy. Like that mm-hmm. to us, that is peak special operations like to, right you know, when you take a look and if you were to open a dictionary you're like 
hey, what is really special operations? Uh -huh. Uh -huh. Um, yeah, th th and we're all about that. We nerd out about it, and we proudly claim magic warfare. Exactly. Yeah. And, and then, we, but you're right, man. Like we proudly claim like, Hey, we're Jack of all trades, master of none. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, and unless you're an SF dude with the, the CRIF, um, What's that? so that's the right now, right now it's the CRIF. It's the crisis response force. Uh, when uh, you were in, it was known as the SIF, the commander yeah, yeah. in extremist force. So uh -huh. like a, a DA and that's all they do. They do direct. Those guys action. are badass. Dude, they, they are. Um, they're like they're, mini Delta. Yeah. Baby Delta, exactly. They, they're Delta. the ones taking the, the target packets that Delta doesn't want. And uh -huh. I'm going to say that, you know, I'm going <laughs> to just shout it out to all my, all my buddies who are in the crypt. Yeah, you guys, listen, you guys get sloppy seconds. That's just the fact of life. Dude, we ended up getting a sloppy second by accident in, uh, in Iraq. My second deployment or first deployment to, uh, to crypt. Uh, Delta was there. They had to hit this other high priority target and they ended up passing off this other high priority target and we ended up hitting it. And it was so quick. Like I didn't understand the significance of it. I was like, that's it. It was a small little house in the middle of nowhere. And the mission that lasted maybe 35, 40 minutes, they hit their home and we all flew back and Delta, like, I remember this, their Sergeant major or somebody walked in a little short guy and uh but looked scruffy like he had been around the block a lot you know and he walked in and he's like hey good job or he's asking for the for our uh our uh, battalion not battalion commander ground force commander and um he comes in and they're like hey you know give up a little speech and talked about how good of a job it was and being like you know after that like dude we're pretty much like delta now you know and <laughs> in my head i felt that way I was like, it made being a ranger like really more that much more badass because it wasn't like Black Hawk Down where the rangers only did security for Delta and it was like we mainly did the I will have to I hate admitting this and I hate working with certain uh, sleep eaten lift teams, you know, SEAL teams, but working with some of them was like, dude, you know, hogging all the mission, you know what I mean? And they would try to treat us like certain elements used to maybe, like Delta used to. But now we're more like doing joint stuff. And it was just weird, man. But, dude, the Ranger has really evolved from the pulling security to doing more direct action, which was cool to me. It was a cool time to be in watching that transition, you know, and opposed to doing all the, the long hikes in. Rangers, we thought we liked to, to do rough marches, but that was a Green Beret thing. We sent a few guys to selection, and the guys that didn't make it, complained about the the rough marches and, and not knowing uh time hacks and stuff like that yeah right was that it no <clears throat> yeah, time hacks? It, yeah yeah so i mean i'm not gonna delve too deep into it but it's it's one of those things it's one of the reasons why like 18 x-rays are successful mm -hmm. uh going through not just selection because the whole everybody, th everybody thinks of selection but the entire pipeline because Yep. You know, I'm gonna, I'm, I, I am gonna pat my my alma mater on the back real quick because and I probably the, agree with this because the the attrition rate in this in in the Q course is just as high as selection, yeah. but mm -hmm. 18, 18 X rays perform exceedingly well in the program because we don't go in, dude, with any sort of preconceived oh. notions or I'm not gonna call them bad habits in the army, but guys that come from the conventional side, guys that come from Ranger Regiment, they're used to being given here are your task conditions and standards. There it is. Yep. Hack. And the whole, and the whole SF mission, the whole mission is, Hey, you're not going to, 
you, we're going to, we're entrusting 12 dudes to go into a very denied area and we're trusting them to get a mission done and they're, they're going to have to figure out how. So with that, they say, Hey, we're, we know, we know the time hack. You don't, mm -hmm. that you oh. go to selection, man. The first thing they do is they take your watch off of you. That's and the first, the first event, man, is a run. And the very first event in, in SFAS. That would freak me out. And they, they tell you, they take, your, they, they take your watch, they put the little, the chip in your, on your running shoe, you know, when you cross the mat, your, what? You know, your little time oh, thing. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they say, listen, you're going to run until the finish line. You don't know how far the run is. It's in the woods. Ooh. It's a trail run. And they say, listen. Just do your best. That's what they say. There's no yelling wow. at SFAS. There's no motivation. It's, hey, you're going to run until we tell you to stop. You're going to ruck until we tell you to stop. So you can't even, like, pace yourself, dude. Like, exactly. you're like, hey, exactly. I know that I run a 37-minute five-mile. Or yeah. if you're me, you know that 38, you run 39. a 38, 45, five-mile. Uh-huh. But you can't game plan it. You can't be like, hey, I know what that pace feels like because – yeah. You don't know how it is. And you know, when you talk to guys and they're like, oh, it's probably like an eight or nine mile run through the woods, but it's dark. You have a headlamp and it's Gosh. a, it's a, it's a nightmare. So yeah. So you're right, man. Like guys that come from that and they go to selection and if they didn't get picked up or whatever. Yeah. I can totally see that. Cause it's, it's oh, a yeah. totally leaderless environment and that's mm -hmm. what, that's kind of what it is, but it's a different, yeah. it's a different mission set, dude. Yeah. yeah it yeah. is. Um, I remember seeing you guys out there, uh, in Afghanistan, man, small teams, and your uh, that was a Humvees jacked on steroids. Not you guys, but the weapons you guys had. Pretty sure some of your guys were on steroids too. But <laughs> uh, no comment. Yeah, I'm like, dude, these guys are freaking huge, just rolling deep with beers and stuff like that in the middle of nowhere. We'd come across or you know see a few of you guys out there and no idea what your mission is. And I would often wonder, do you guys even know? what you're doing out there because you guys would just be out there and then i'm like wow but then no i knew you guys did uh you guys called us in one time or you guys came into our compound asking for like 40 carl gustav rounds and i'm like 40 Who, who's using that many on target now and we watched some overhead feed and i was like oh my gosh yeah dude bro. It was and, bad. and and that's the you know the the you know the the core mission is unconventional warfare. It's UW. It is. Mm -hmm. Um, but within that, you know, again, jack of all trades, master of none. Dude, SF can get down with some. Oh, I've seen. We can yeah, get dude. down with some DA, man, and we can. Yeah. And we enjoy it, man, because DA is fun. We love yeah, yeah. you know even when training, dude. If you get you can get some time in in the house and things like that. Hell yeah, do it. Oh. Um, that's all. Yes. We have other commitments. So, but yeah, man, yeah. If, if some, some of those SF teams, man, even in the middle of nowhere, they're like, Hey, and it's not so, so much like, Hey, we're going to get a target package. It's like, Hey, mm -hmm. we've developed the Intel network in this area. Yep. And they're telling us that house, that's where the bad yeah. guy is. And they're like, yeah. Oh, this is what, this is what they're packing. So, you know what? We're not even, gonna, we're, and maybe they were like, Oh, there's no air on station or maybe the weather uh, was like, yeah, Hey, yeah. there's no air. So you know what? We're just going to hit this compound with 40 Carl G's. <laughs> right. <laughs> and call and it a fucking day, level, man. Dude. It was, uh, it was an interesting to see, man. Um, but yeah, pipeline was long. Uh, just one for me, man. But, uh, a lot of the guys did 
not a lot, but a few of the guys from third bat ended up going to SF or, you know, going to selection and stuff. Um, dude, my my first in. team sergeant came from third bat. Okay. Yeah. Well, uh, dude, what year? Oh, I mean, he, he was, God, he was there when I got there in 15 and he'd already okay. been with, the, he, he'd already been with the SF regiment for probably eight or nine years. Okay. Uh, he well, grew probably... like he grew up in third bat. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's how it is for, and yet the same situation, yeah, the conventional guys that would come over to Ranger Battalion, it would be weird. Like you didn't grow up in battalion it'd be weird, but yeah, man, um, did six deployments, went to, um, my first was like to, to, to crit. Then I went to Mosul and Baghdad. Then, uh, did my deployments to Afghanistan, um, Bagram, Kandahar, Jalalabad was, we hopped around a lot in Jalalabad. We went to Jalalabad, Alalabad, a couple other places and some tents and stuff like that. Dude, that mm -hmm. deployment was a big blur. Everyone was tripping on, on that deployment. I remember, uh, remember one of my snipers, man, won't say his name, but uh, we were in these tents, these hot, thick green tents, right? And uh, <laughs> dude, we had flown around in, in the middle of this canyon and the town is, you know, the, you can see the locals and stuff like that, not too far away. But um, this place sucked. It was so disgusting, so nasty. Um, oh yeah, yeah. So dude, I'm like watching one of, uh, I'm up that night and I look over and I see one of my sniper guys. He sits up in his bed. I'm staring at him. Everyone else is sleeping. And he pops open a Sprite can, those Hodge Sprite cans where you peel the top off. You don't just push it in, peel it off and Dude, he chugs it back, but pours it all over his face, all on his hair, and douses himself in Sprite, but his eyes are closed. Puts the can down, puts his covers back over him, goes back to sleep. And I'm sitting there like, yo, what am I seeing right now? I'm tripping, right? Dude, and that, I, that's I a, that's a savage move, dude. Yeah, dude, why would you do that to yourself? It's like pour, dousing yourself in Sprite. And uh, he ended up waking up the next day, and he's like, oh my gosh, I'm so sticky talking and you know, trying to figure out what's going on, thought someone set him up. And I'm like, dude, you literally woke up that night and doused yourself in Sprite. We were just so jacked up from hopping around from place to place to place, doing a lot of finding, trying to find targets, man. It was a really weird deployment. Um, but yeah, man, six deployments with them and ended up going to sniper section and working with the sniper section for the last two. And that's where it was like, dream come true. Always had that dream of being a sniper since making ghillie suits in middle school and hiding out in the in the uh woods of this middle school well not name the middle school but uh, uh another middle school other than mine and used to hide out in the woods and scare the students as they would come out off the bus and stuff like that so got a chance to live that dream man and only wore my ghillie suit twice overseas twice total yeah, it's funny how that works right yeah man twice total and the first and one one of those times i ended up not having to wear it on target well ended up taking it off it was, um, yeah, but only ended up wearing it officially like one time. Thought that was okay, cool, but not as cool as what sniper school was like, though. Sniper school was all about stalking and stalking and being really good at stalking and setting up stuff. All the hide sites I did were either on top of a rooftop, really, you know, for staying there for five, 15 minutes. And the longest one I did was the, the five day after reconnaissance op. That I can kind of say was like being an SF, man. We had everything in our rucksacks, and I remember rolling up. Uh, we were in Helmand Province before the big push of uh, the Marines went in. And, dude, I remember getting back real quick. Segway. But um, 
uh, did the international sniper comp after that. And the Marine guy talked about how they, you know, went into Marja and did all this stuff. And I was like, dude, what are you talking about? Like we were there three months before you guys even set foot there and cleaned shop, bro. What's dude, that? Dude, it's funny you mention that because my cadre, so I, I'm, a, I'm a comms guy, right? I'm the comms, one of the comms guys on the team. So I, mm -hmm. I'm going through the 18 Echo course, and that, that, was, that was like after we did like our, our tactical training and, and things like that. It's right after SEER school, then you do four months of MOS training. Gosh. So I'm, I'm out there in, in the, the Echo compound is totally off the flag it, it's we are so far away from the flagpole we're off brag dude you have to leave base oh to get nice. to, the, to the echo compound dude um and, and so they loved it man and they just smoked the they just smoked the bejesus out of us yes, just sir. because every time you fucked up yeah you know what the yeah. whole class is good. but anyways Hated. it's funny you mention that dude i'm not gonna say his name our cadre our well, the green suitor. So he wasn't actually doing any of the teaching. He was just like our tack. Like Pepper go Blyven. And oh, that's my, um, my German shepherd was. Being no, amazing. you're fine, man. Um, massive, massive Dominican dude. Like he, he like scary as fuck. Like 260 pounds at five eleven. Like just jacked out of his mind, man. Like his neck was wider than his neck. fucking head. It oh was my god, incredible, dude. And he lost, he lost a finger somewhere overseas. So he'd always had like the fattest lip in. He's walking around. He talked like this. He goes, listen up, fuck sticks. You think the Marines were the first ones in Marja? <laughs> right. He's like, I was in a hide site for 96 hours. Calling in, calling in air on Marja before the Marines were even thinking about taking it. Oh and yeah. So, yeah, dude. Like it, we're like, uh, okay, like cool war. Uh -huh. Oh, but you know, you're right, man. Like it, you know, Marines own Marja, but dude, SF and Rangers, they were there and they were getting theirs. Putting in a lot of work, man. And um, dude, yeah, at, uh, SF was it fifth or third was there? Was it fifth or third? I want to say I worked with one of those groups in Iraq. In, Mar which well, in Marja, that was third. He was a third group. Third. Dude. Okay. Yeah. And uh. Yeah, I felt like an SF guy. It was, you know, six of us total and drew my little, you know, five o'clock stubble out. Those guys, the recce guys, they already had uh, beards and stuff like that. They had been growing for three months or whatever it was prior to deploying. And yeah, man, I was the, the, the coolest. I think the coolest time that I was in battalion overseas deployed was working on that reconnaissance with that reconnaissance team it was like the the highlight my Carlos Halfcock moment, you know, minus the me being the lone gun gunman, low crawling a thousand yards, you know, and then taking a shot and getting back minus all that a cool thousand stuff. back. Yeah, dude. Yeah. Minus all that stuff. That was my Carlos Halfcock moment was, you know, uh, two of us or three of us, we had like the fourth day into that op, we were tracking some guy like electronically and, and doing all that stuff and whatever. Um, the fourth day I had this crazy idea. I was, uh, we had teamed up with some Marines, two, five Marines and their snipers. And they were wanting to, they were going out every day and, and getting, you know, a few targets that were ambushing the school they had overtaken or the school they had been bombed out. And they overtake, uh, overtaken and Taliban were not too far around. And every morning they would get attacked. And I remember talking to their snipers and 
having the crazy idea. It's like, dude, I know this is probably not going to fly being third range battalion under the flag pole. Everything's got to be, you know, precise and strict and by the book. I had the crazy idea of, hey, let me call up to my command and see if they'll let us set up a hide site away from everybody in the middle of, you know, the town and see what we can do. Dude, the, uh, our comms guy made the call and we had the call to do it. It was like, yeah, you guys are clear. It was like, oh my God, man, this is unbelievable. Got a chance to do it. Walked out with the two five Marine guys. They had two snipers, they're machine gunner. And we had our uh, comms guy and me and my spotter. And dude, leaving at night, we walked maybe half a mile or whatever it was to this little village and flowed into this room quietly, like, did the lock and everything flowed in. It was like, dude, I'm Jason Bourne, bro. You know what I mean? It was crazy being quiet and dude, yeah, setting up and doing all that and waiting for sunrise was that's when the real sniper kicked in of being bored, you know? I had this pack of Haji red rocket cigarettes, man, whatever it was called, those little skinny cigarettes. I'm pretty sure it has like opium in it or something. Smoked a whole pack of those in the first few hours I was on top of this rooftop, like, dude, we have like 10 more hours to go, you know, before daylight and daylight came and, and that's when we started getting uh, contact. The Marines rolled through and dude, caught this guy. That was my longest shot. Uh, one of the longest was ha half a mile. Plucked the guy with an RPG um, who was literally, yeah, turned the corner with an RPG and he was going to hit the, the uh, Humvee that these Marines were in. I'm like, no, no way, man. Lined up and it was the cleanest, most beautiful shot I think I've ever had was where it was, you know, first shot and, you know, not luck. It's like 20% luck, you know, of holy shit, man, it, it, it connected. And I met that guy, one of the guys, uh, the Marines, who was in that Humvee uh, at a book signing, like in 20, 2015, it was the weirdest alignment of stars, you know. He's like, dude, you know, you were this guy. And I remember, the, you know, them telling me, I blew the guy out of sandals and they brought back one of his flip-flop sandals or whatever. I was like, you know, whatever. And we had to leave that night. And that's when we had this, uh, just like 18, 19 hour gunfight. Lost a few guys on that one. That was the one where I was, was like, nope, I'm done after this, man. As much as I wanted to go or stay in, it's my last deployment. And that one, like, called it quits for me. Mentally, I was drawn out, I was done. And I was like, you know, pretty much thinking, dude, how many more cards of aces do I have in this deck before, you know, that was the closest I've come to death. I wasn't, I didn't like it. I didn't like it. it I mean, that definitely wears. I mean, that wears on anybody. Yeah. It really does. First off, I just want to talk about that shot real quick. I promise yeah, yeah. I'm not, I'm not going to talk out of my ass. I've been, I've made it very clear on this program because you are not the first soft sniper I've had on here. Mm -hmm. um, I've had some training. I don't consider myself a sniper. I just want to say 800 meters cold bore combat Tough. conditions literally guy coming around popping around the corner literally a snap and or mover literally mm -hmm. at 800 meters um that's a hell of a shot i had but i had been looking at this building and around that area all night though he happened to come out of that building corner i mean the wind wasn't even that bad either but it was but, but even then, dude, like, all right, yeah, obviously you're in your hide site. We're not going to go over SOP of early yeah, yeah, hide yeah. sites because that would be fucking stupid. But right. it, there, let's just say there's a lot of work that goes into like an urban hide site. Mm -hmm. So you, you set up, you, you know, you start doing your, your sketches and things like that. And you start getting all your ranges. 
but still, like, guy pops around a corner with a, oh, yeah. an RPG, and you're like, wow. I At that point, you'd be like, wow, I hoped I studied my sketches to know, no hey, joke. the corner of that building is 800 meters. All right, that's, no that's my fucking dope. Dude, I'm just saying, man. Dude, like, I honestly, was hoping, but to be honest, I was hoping no one was going to pop out. We could see the Marines clearing out through this, um, like, village. We had a house in front of, or a little hut home in front of us a road behind them, a dirt road that was like elevated a little bit. Then you had another more scattered out houses behind them and some trees and stuff. You could see them breaking through the trees. Dude, I got a pretty cool picture of that too. Like, but um, yeah. And watching those guys go through and it's like, dude, I hope no one comes out. It was a far shot, but literally that distance in between the open field in between us was, you know, the closest shot was about 800 you know, meters away. My spotter who was on a 300 wind mag, he was doping stuff out pretty far, but nothing. I would have never even told him to engage something that far. Um, his further shot was over a grand, but all luck, bro, all luck. I mean, it, it is. And when, when you start getting out, especially, like I said, combat conditions, you can sit down at a flat range and you can start, you hit your truing oh, yeah. board, right? And then you can just start plinking. Yeah. Um, Combat's that, different, dude. It is. It is. Um, 70% of my shots, not 70, I'd say 60 were second round impacts. It was rare, bro, to get a first round impact, especially on, you know, the direct action targets and when we're doing targets and set up on a building and, you know, I'm looking or whatever. And those were m mainly second round impacts, especially the ones past 300, 400 yards with an SR. And they were mostly from the knee too. I was rarely in the prone. Um, 300, 400, I would get like on a rooftop and, you know, but get a little stable, stable position. But most of those were second round impacts. Now, most let me ask, let me ask this. Um, and we'll nerd out here for a second. Yeah, yeah. So back, back then, I mean, like nowadays glass, everybody's running like, and, and I know like, SF was, yeah, but, but, but SF was kind of on the forefront of this. Um, mm -hmm. And it was due, it was actually due to a civilian shooter. And if, if you go back, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to plug the podcast real quick. If you go back to Clay Martin's first episode, I think it was like the seventh or eighth episode, and you start talking about SF shooting, this mm -hmm. civilian shooter, he was like a UPS driver who was just crushing all these long-distance comps. And they went to him, and he was, kind, he, was like the cat, he was like the catalyst for this style of shooting with like Horus reticles. But that uh... shooting – like that, I'm, I'm assuming you were shooting TMR, like tactical, tactical milling. Me? Yeah. Or were you shooting horse? No, just regular mill dot. Okay, so mil, okay, so so mill dot. So you were actually yeah. dialing in dope. Exactly, but I would, yeah, I would keep exactly. I'd keep my dope at, dude. I still remember my dope, man. It was uh, uh five minutes of angle was at 300 yards, so I'd keep it at five put five MOA on the gun. It was still MOA at the time. Wasn't even mill mill, bro. Put um, MOA, put five MOA on it. And I knew that eight MOA was like 400 yards. Um, 12 MOA was 500 yards. And my thousand yard dope was 38 minutes of angle um, on the gun. But I remember all that's right, bro. And dude, it was a, uh, yeah, so I would just keep it locked in. I would never dial for wind. I would tape my windage down to the to the scope and just run off the you know elevation and stuff like that. Um, so most of the shots were like 100 to average 300, 400 yards. So I didn't have to do much of the dialing in. Or gotcha. I would just hold under, hold over. 
Um, the long shots, you know, past five, six hundred is when I'm, you know, dialing in minutes of angle and stuff like that. And that, that's kind of the benefit of, of tech, you know, technology advancing. Exactly. Now, with those, you know, honestly, with these, with those horse reticles, with, you know, now, tr you know, tremor reticles, things like that, everything is a hold. But you can, yep. you can hold a 1600 meter shot. Unreal. Unreal. You can. And dude, when it's I was holding, you're looking at just things floating in space. You know, you're just putting, well, I can see the middle dot up here, my target's here, and you're putting a target in a, in a quadrant of, of space. So that's how it was back then. It was, you know, It's crazy. incredible, dude. Like, it's, that's wild. Old... That's totally wild to oh. me. Yeah, dude, the old uh, SR-25, if it is, that's the one from the longest shot. Like, Jesus. 10 power scope, bro. The, uh, the Schmidt and Bender 10 power? Negative loophole, man. Oh, man. Like, if I could – dude, I wish I had better quality on these photos. But dude, that's all right. Hey, honestly, if you, if, you, if you take some photos, I'll throw them up in the description and things like that so people can yeah, take yeah. a closer look. But, dude, that's wild, man. And that's what I'm saying. Like, you know, it wasn't that long ago, but – Right? Like – Technology you know, advanced. When I was getting out, they were just getting Schmidt and Bender – the you know hd glass and all that stuff was coming out and but those were yeah, even man. tmr dude like that What's was that? that was that was like those are that tmr reticles yeah. like that was yeah, yeah. you were, you know you were you still had to dial in dope unless you were like johnny on the spot like you were mm -hmm. with oh hey, hey i know hold what my hold is um mm -hmm. but most guys most guys don't you know most guys hey i'm gonna dial in this dope um yeah, yeah. nowadays man when when I went through Sodic, dude, the when they got us on the on the uh, on the twenty fives, they had the Schmidt and Bender with the TMR, and they're like, "Hey, we're gonna oh, teach wow. you how to sh shoot TMR." Mm -hmm. Two weeks into the course, they took that away. They gave us Leupold, you know, the Leupold Mark Sixes with yes, horror reticles. Yeah, 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 yeah. And you know, we started with the with the twenty tens. Uh -huh. And then they took the glass off of those and put them on the 25s, and we went back to the 25s with that. Uh -huh. um, why, why was that? I, just because, I, you know, they wanted to teach you TMR because they were still okay. technically on the, the – the, those, those reticles were still on the books. Okay. Um, but they were uh -huh. going away when I went through. I don't even mm -hmm. know if Sodic still teaches TMR. But wow, if, you ask, if you ask me today to dial in some, some dope, uh -huh. couldn't do it. Wow. Could not Dude, do it. I will, I will admit, it's a, it's a skill that I, I like to keep it old school, man. Like, when it started to get computerized, I honestly backed away. I like, I like dialing. I like to know my dope. I just I, – I like, I like to shoot, you know, that way. My first well, – uh, what's that? No, I was just saying, you're, you're a throwback, man. Like, nowadays, yeah, I, like, I, can, I, I can take that horse reticle, and mm -hmm. I can take my, my ballistic calculator Kestrel – uh -huh. And I can, and I sure. just throw in and I can, you know, with, with my, my, uh, uh, with throw the density in with the mm -hmm. round, with the exact mm -hmm. round, like, okay, this is the exact right. wind mag round. And it's going to show me my holds for a horse mm -hmm. reticle. So all mm -hmm. I have to do is scroll on my Kestrel and say, Hey, yeah. that's a 1200 meter shot. And it's going to say, Oh, that's a 9.8 hold. Uh-huh. Don't touch do not touch the glass. That's you know, the cool thing about it. Yeah. Crank it out, give my hold and make the shot. But mm -hmm. you there you lose a lot. You lose a lot of the the romance behind Exactly, bro. The, That's the, the thing. Shooting. 
Exactly. That's what turned me off, especially when they started coming out with the one, the smart scope or whatever it was. And you could uh, like push a button on it. It would lays out the target, get the win for it. And essentially just once you put this dot on the circle of where it's supposed to be, it, the gun goes off and you end up hitting your target. Dude, it, it, it's the romance behind it. Like sniping to me, dude, I grew up on too many old school books like, you know, Vasily or Carlos Hathcock. I was going to say the other one, but he's Russian. Um, but yeah, man, I, I think that the romance behind it, the intimacy of, of being one with the gun, understanding all the, the, the formulas, what goes into it, the environmentals that go on, that go into it, dialing in the dope, holding it off. It's just an intimate, intimate act, man, to be able to put a little projectile on a target that far away, even close distance, you know? My closest shot was like, well, that was not really that intimate, but anything past 100, even 100 yards is pretty intimate. I remember plucking some, some guys, those three guys, bro. We were getting my first or second trip into Marja, or uh, Hellman Province, yeah, Marja. And these guys were on a rooftop. They had ambushed us, walking on this little, you know, not on the pathway, but taking that route and going into Marja. And, uh, dude, I remember getting ambushed off of the, the rooftop and he, not hearing, but it slowed everything down. I could see this long trail of a bullet, you know, like whiz past. It's like, in my mind, it felt like I went, whoa, like, you know, Matrix style. But I was on the ground and, you know, crawling up to, to get into where I was going to start engaging these targets at. Uh, long story short, I plucked these guys. They were only like 98, 98 meters away. This thing was 98 meters away on the dot or whatever it was, man. And you could just see above their, you know, the, the bridge of their nose a little bit, their eyes. So the IR laser, my floodlight would shine and I could see the whites of their eyes, the glint. I was like, oh, oh snap, you know, I'm about to line this bad boy up and send it, you know? They had RPKs and, uh, you know, AKs and stuff shooting off the, the rooftop and I'm at a position in my prone and shooting upward a little bit. First shot was right at the lip, right at the edge of that little thing they were tilting over. Mm -hmm. And I saw the splash and I was like, oh my gosh, bro, this is going to be a, a sick ass, you know, easy shot. I just lined it up and it plucked that guy. And the guy in the middle, everyone would kind of look at each other like, you know, oh snap, they put their yeah, head like, down. What the hell just happened? Yeah, but they'd put their head down and then look back up and go back at it. So I'm like, wait a minute, pluck that guy. The other guy would do the same thing. Pluck that guy. You can see another guy walking or low crawling across. He had figured things out. The most I've ever got, like, of dumbness was six in a row, bro, of just guys looking at someone. But that was pretty damn cool, though, being suppressed, dude. And it was uh, Taliban, some Taliban commanders in this little area. And plucking them, like, in a row, me and my spotter, working them. And neither one, like, no one ever ran. It was just kind of, look at this guy get down, do the Haji squat, look at this guy, and then, you know, try to figure out what the fuck, and then finally dump him. That was a pretty cool, it was, it was, it was pretty cool. But yeah, man, most of them were misses though. Second, second round impacts was, was my, my, my thing, dude. Well, that's, that's real world, man. It is. Yeah. You know, it's, that kind of takes the Hollywood out of everything. Um, not everyone's Tom Berenger. Not everybody is Tom <laughs> Berenger. Or I should have followed my bullets down. 
Dude, or not everybody is Billy Zane with the high tech <laughs> glass that is somehow right? affecting. Like, right? oh, here's your wind call. Here's the particles in the sky. I'm like, dude, never. I've I've, I've never seen a scope like that in real life. Um, mine is, but I I even think if there were scopes like that, it would take the fun, the intimacy out of sniping itself. I don't. I'm an intimate guy in sniping. You give me ten rounds in a few hours, you know, I can make it last on a range. Yeah. I like, you know. I hate to just pluck targets because it, it gets boring after a while. You know, my opinion, shooting gets boring after a while. You know, after you've done it, the achievement is over and, you know. Yeah, it's, well, you're right. I mean, long distance. Are you like that now that you're out? Well, I mean. But you're not out, damn. I mean, I'm not out, but, you know, at the same time, like, you, when we, when you, when you lay, like, a, a long distance range down, mm-hmm. um, it is kind of like, hey, let's get re, let's get intimate again with yeah, the yeah. 2010 and the 110. Um, right. So, you know, you can go to a flat range and burn, honestly, you could burn 10,000 rounds in a, at yeah. a day at a flat range. Um, yeah. But you're right. I mean, if, for like some training value, be like, all right, let's seriously take a look at this shot. Let's yeah, really man. get reacquainted to how we read wind um, yep. and things yeah, like that. That's a big one. I've, I've noticed that, like, over the years, the not guys getting away from it. It's just not how I was when I was taught. You know, it's the, 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 the harping on understanding when will fuck up a shot, you know. You know that. Like, the slightest win. So, understanding when was a huge, huge, huge thing when I was in, you know. And you can't – and honestly, you can teach it, but you can't teach. You have to understand. You, it. Have, you have to, to get understand. out there and like, do it, man. You know, you, yeah. you, you open up, like, the sniper handbook, and, you know, they they – they uh-huh. show like the little brush, like, oh, if it's, yeah. you know, this far versus this far versus this. But honestly, uh-huh. it's, it's like. Not like that. You know, it's not like that. It, no. You know, and, and I've never, I've, listen, I, have I taken a long range shot real world? No, yeah. that's not my job. Um, yeah, yeah. But I could imagine, like, honestly, dude, like, I, I know what cold bore is. Like, am I yeah, yeah. intimate enough with this rifle to know, hey, cold bore the cold bore shift with this rifle is this. No, man, mm-hmm. that's, that's your world. Love um, it. Uh, that's the stuff I'm into, man. So, I mean, that's, My, and, and that's awesome, dude. Like that's, it, that's totally badass. Yeah. And now it's like that childhood dream played itself out. And like I said, after that mission, dude, is when I was like, I'm calling it not quits. I got into contracting after that, but that's literally only because that's the only job I felt that I could have when I got out or, you know, that was accepting. As soon as yeah. I got out after, you know, that deployment, it was like things stopped immediately. You you go from being, you know, I was in fucking the height of the war, you know. No, yeah, it was a really but you, good were, time. you were at the top of your game. Yeah, I was, man. And I, I felt like that. You have, I was 23, 24 years old, and I'm like feeling like a badass, man. And I wasn't going to work, no disrespect to Walmart or anything like that, but I just didn't feel that. You know, it wasn't anything beneath me, but dude, I was living off this rush of something that I couldn't see myself working at a, a Walmart or anything like that. So I went online, I would talk to, you know, to a few of the guys who were getting out who had been out, picked up contracting and Blackwater and Triple Canopy and all that stuff. And I looked into it, man, filled out an application and did some fingerprint stuff. Um, and I got picked up for, for Triple Canopy in Baghdad. Um, that dude, to be honest, like I did a lot of cool stuff in the military, but the training, training wise training for 
whips back when it was like whips two, I think it went through whips two was pretty cool, man. Like you don't get a chance to drive and stuff like that in Ranger Battalion and learn how to do car tricks essentially yeah. and stuff, you know, um, different pistol game and everything was just different. You're more independent and having that independency was, I think what I needed, you know, getting out into the real world, um, that little bit of you have freedom, but you're a man, not a man. I hate using that term, but you're just, you know what I mean? You're a fucking dude. You have a lot of, you're, you're, you're responsible for a lot of stuff. You are and your own and your own person, you know, and dude, um, yeah, deployed over to, to Baghdad, worked at the embassy. And then I wasn't doing all this stuff. Like started off as a guy in the back of the trunk with a saw machine gun and a, a laser, a green Islet laser. Um, and I'd keep guys away from convoys whenever we're escorting around. Like was it was it the old school Islid, the the lightsaber one that was massive? Lightsaber one, yeah, yeah. Dude. yeah. Kept dude, that the in new, back of the truck. Dude, the new Islid's like this big. Oh my gosh! I mean, we still have we have. Do yeah, I still ones, do I still care? Like, listen, ask me. Like, oh Nick, what's in your JTAC kit? The new yep. Islid or the old one? Uh, the old one. The old because one. Every time I take it out, I make lightsaber sounds. Dude, and it looks like a lightsaber. Yes, Hell sir. Oh yeah, dude. <laughs> uh, that would keep somebody away from the back of our our convoys and yeah. stuff. And I slowly progressed up to the inside of the vehicle and having an M4 and popping out of cars and Baghdad traffic going 100 miles an hour and doing some cool stuff, man. It was um, but it lasted not very very long at all, dude. It was I was like at home one day and woke up and I was de about to deploy back, back to Baghdad. And I looked in my closet, a girl was there and everything. And I'm like, you know what? I'm not going back. And she's like, what are you talking about? I was like, I'm not doing it. I'm done. I'm done deploying. I'm, I'm tired of it. Not really tired of it. It's just the, the constant 30 days, you know, back at home, which is like 25 days back at home. And you're deployed for three months or whatever, four months. And I was like, nah, you're making 155, grand a year i was a ddm is like 180 grand or something like that back then um at that age bro it's you're 24 25 years old that's yeah. dummy money man it's right dummy money. dude that's strip club money all day you know that's yeah but bro it was it didn't last long man it didn't last long it went through some really really hard times after that well i and that's kind of where we want to go i you know if if you know because you you kind of hint at it in your in, in yeah, your yeah. books, and um, we haven't even delved into that because you have all the badass stuff, right? Mm. You got the badass yeah. stuff, but you, then at the end of the day, the show the show has to end. Has like, to, bro. And that's that was the biggest thing I think a lot of guys, or even some guys, I'm not gonna say a lot, but for me especially, um, was a hard thing to like brush off. Going back to being not a special special ops guy you're a regular supposed to be a regular guy or, or being a regular guy never regular the stuff that goes on up here or whatever but you, you think different you do and you know you've been exposed to different things but, but, letting but, that the, world, go, but the world doesn't care dude i, I, was, exactly. I was literally i was literally just saying like yep. yeah i i have my experiences are my experiences nearly as cool as yours or a lot of other dudes no um yeah. do i am i proud of everything i did yes um, yeah. but at the end of the day, I'm Nick guy, financial crimes investigator. Right. That's, right. That's, that's the how end the world views, views me. Exactly. Exactly. And, and it took, um, a few years to realize that, you know what I mean? Of how much that as a civilian are two civilians. And this was when the war started to die down too. 
Um, it's not that they don't care, essentially. I don't know. But being a badass spec ops dude, it's like, but how does that work over here right now? You know? And the stories just don't relate. But, dude, I went through a hard time, man. I picked up a really, not picked up, I had, you know, had the habit for a long time. Alcohol and, but alcoholism runs in my family, like both of my, you know, both, both sides of the family, people have died from it, you know, in my family. Dude, it got really, really bad, really bad. Was going through, tried rehab secretly, and that was a, a joke. Dude, I was going to rehab, chugging a six pack. I did this uh, in and out processing thing. And then like getting wasted as soon as I got back out. I was wasted the whole duration of that little, whatever you want to call it. Dude, it got really bad, lost, almost lost everything, lost a car, about to lose a home, literally like on, you know, a month away or whatever it was and took a Glock out back. But when we're building this construction around these new homes, bought a nice house with all this contractor money. And I was like, dude, what the hell, you know, I'm, I was, I was able to manage it and control the environment overseas, but getting back here and it's like, I'm losing, you know what I'm saying? Losing, literally losing at life. Went out back with the Glock and bottle of Jack Daniels and I, had, I was already wasted, man, and had a short talk. It was kind of a long talk. Things didn't go as planned, man. Came inside and I locked myself in the garage, not the garage, but the uh, computer room. I had just a little laptop and on a little desk that my parents had donated. And dude, I stayed in that computer room for almost almost a week. It was like three days, three or four days. Didn't sleep. Just, I was like on this sniper, I can stay awake thing and drinking as much as I could. The carpet turned into beer cans after a while. But at the end of that, I produced this journal. It was a book essentially of like everything that I had did in the military or that I thought was, you know, messing me up a little bit lost some good friends and I was getting phone calls of guys who uh, were killing themselves and stuff like that. And it made me feel some type of way, like maybe I shouldn't have gotten out. It was weird stuff, man. And then went to Vegas. I had negative money in my account. I got invited to Las Vegas at a uh, shot show, shot show convention out in Las Vegas, mm -hmm. 2016 or something like that. Met a Navy SEAL man who had a book deal. And I was like, Hey man, I want to, I have this idea, have a book or whatever. And, you know, I want to pitch it to you. And he's like, do you really want a book deal? And I was like, yeah, man, I guess he's like, do you know what comes with that? He's a Navy SEAL. So he knows what it's like to have a book deal. And he's like, are you sure you want that? And I was like, yeah, I mean, I already wrote it. And dude, he hooked me up, helped me out. But not many people know before that I had self-published. Dude, I went through this time of, of trying to figure out what, what I wanted to do. So I had an online, multiple online stores. I would buy stuff from China in bulk for like pennies on the dollar, survival kits and stuff like that. Truth be told, bro, I have an old, no one knows this, man. I have an old uh, commercial that used to be on the Alex Jones ch uh, channel. Get I the used, fuck out of here. Can no I joke, do, bro. Can I YouTube this shit? You probably can. I'll send you the MP3 and it goes- Please do. Yeah. Uh, is talking about it starts off are you prepared for the economic collapse and that's all i remember and dude i was like selling survival kits for i would always undercut the market what it was you know going for or whatever and that didn't last i learned real quickly of uh like to ship this stuff out you have to be able to compensate 
you know, the price for all this. I was just trying to, you know, sell a product and undercut what I thought wasn't fair. And it turned out that I wasn't making money on, on it. So then I went into uh, bleeding paper targets. I had this idea of, I was like, you know, basically I'm going to make a reactive paper target that you could hang up. It's made of paper, but when you shoot it, it like bleeds. Made, uh, made those, man, sold them online. You can still find when I'm uh, sold a few targets through LE targets, one of the biggest like paper target places. And it's pictures of me, man, dressed up as Hodge. And I'm like the target you shoot. I tried all these ideas. The, uh, <laughs> my bleeding paper target. Dude, I, I see you got to grind, man. Yeah. I was grinding, bro. And dude, I was, yeah. Went back to the old me. Dude, I used to go to old rich neighborhoods as a kid and like, tell people that my school couldn't afford caps and gowns and food and stuff like that. And I would hustle people. This dude, was like dude, middle school, fucking, man. Dude, you're a fucking survivor, man. And I had to, I want, at that time I wanted hydraulics on a Saturn. <laughs> it never panned <laughs> out. <laughs> so I ended up getting, <laughs> I, ended up, I got a, a PlayStation in the back of my truck and we played it. <laughs> but that's, well, that's dude, back then, Pit My Ride was yeah. a thing, man. Exactly. Exhibit. Yes. He was fucking yes. pipping rides, dude. That's what I was going for, man. PS2 in the back seat, baby. Yep, yep. That's how it was me, man. And, yeah, we played Madden in the parking lot, school parking lot. But, uh, yeah, dude, so I went um, made bleeding paper targets, still on YouTube and stuff. But it, I threw it away, and it ended up uh, some Navy SEALs have it now, like an actual reactive paper target. Never wanted to bring it up, but. I happen to have those intellectual rights. But um, anyways, that did that idea. Had some guns named after me that never panned out to do. They made a lot of money, but I didn't make half of a quarter. Um, I had a patent idea of electromagnetic door, jammer, uh, door jammers. Um, yeah, man, got a patent for it. And none of this stuff panned out. So long story short, dude, I was hurting big time. Uh, that Navy SEAL pitched off this book deal or book idea that I had and it ended up sticking man but before that I had written like four or five other books of survival books I went out before this neighborhood was built it was just woods and stuff so I built this how to survive and stuff like that and with a picture book essentially man um and I wrote the my first book the autobiography it was labeled team reaper like the original drunk writings of me is still on Amazon I'm pretty sure so, all right, so like, all right, you locked yourself in that computer room, yeah, drank yourself half to death, and just yes. compiled your thoughts. Uh huh. It's yeah. Okay, so, sh dude, here's the thing like, people think, hey, Nick Irving, fucking, you get Reaper and Way of the Reaper, but you're yeah, telling, yeah. You're, but there's an OG. The OG is called Team Reaper. Team Reaper. I, because I felt bad of, uh, Dude, the original story. So yeah, Team Reaper, I was like, dude, I don't want to make this about me. And I wanted to include, how do I name that, but not make it about me? So I called it Team Reaper. I wanted the spotter to be a part of that. And um, that was the original OG book. And uh, not many people know this, man. So you're getting like the exclusive. And the, But the publisher ended up wanting to change it to make it more appealing to readers and stuff. So they put the Reaper and, and made it more about, you know, my autobiography opposed to like everybody who was included, but dude, yeah, that's how it started off, man. Um, went on and yeah, the book deal got picked up and life not really changed after that. It was, it was weird though. Like I never expected it. I thought I was just a normal guy and I am, you know, I think, but it was just to, to be seen 
to that extent, you know, to, you know, New York Times bestseller and meeting different people and, and doing TV shows or stuff like that. It was really surreal. I haven't thought about it yet. You know, I haven't really thought about that part of my life. It kind of went, it's all still going, you know what I mean? So yeah. I haven't thought about any of this. Dude, and honestly, for you, it is still going. So, I mean, I think it's fair, I think it's fair to classify that, you know, we'll, we'll classify this, these actions that writing was cathartic mm -hmm. for you. And like, holy shit, maybe it was just, maybe it was just putting your, your thoughts to paper that Dude, saved yeah. your life. Yeah, man. The first book I ever wrote, uh, my mom still has it printed out on the printer paper where you rip off the edges. Dude, like the old, uh, DDoS, yeah, the old like DDoS printers. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, I was, uh, I was in elementary school and I wrote a Goosebumps theme book off of a haunted house that I grew up in. Hell yeah. My mom Dude, man. Out. So, I'm gonna right, so see, these day. are the things, man. Like everybody, every, see, here's the thing. Like everybody fucking, everybody assumes and holy God, I gotta, I gotta stop with the, with the cussing. My, my mother listens to this podcast. Dude, you're, I'm she, trying to stop too, man. No, it's no, hard. you're fine. She goes, oh, your guests are entitled. No, I'm not entitled. <laughs> um, but so here's the thing. Like, everybody thinks, like, all right, guy guy does super cool things overseas, writes book, right? Mm -hmm. And see, these, this is – see, man, dude, this is why I do this podcast. It really is. Because everybody sees the book, and they're like, oh, all right. Well, obviously, it's a story that needs to be told, obviously. But people want to hear it. So they're like, oh, we'll take this. This is where yeah. you start, del you know, delving into the why. And for you, it was like, holy God, like it, this, maybe this saved your life. But then we go even deeper. Yeah, yeah. And we go, oh, Nick Irving wrote a novel, a Goosebumps themed novel. Yeah, yeah man. But he was a kid, dude. And, oh, yeah. and, and honestly, my Gen Z, the Gen Z listeners and watchers to this probably have no idea who R.L. Stein is or the oh, magnificence gosh, of Goosebumps, dude. I had, dude, I had hundreds, dude, there's like hundreds of them, dude. Yeah. Dude, I, to, to make my hardcover, uh, do you remember the, the Elmer's glue that came in the tube? Like, You'd like twist it up. The, the, the glue stick. Yeah. Glue stick, it was yeah. Elmer's. Yeah. Yep. So I took a stack of paper and I just glued them all together <laughs> and to make the goosebumps portion of it, I took, I waited till it dried up and I poked like not all the way through, but, and you know, uh, uh, what do you what do you call that? Braille, uh, embrailed, embrailed, braille, uh, embroidered, braille. embroidered. Is it that? Oh, wait, are you like? Did, like you, did you do? Did you do a a blind? Font. Oh, the ra wait. Well, braille is a raised font, but like, yeah, the raised font is like embroidered. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I'm embroidered. I made it raised. I, I raised the font of it by flipping it over and doing the goosebumps thing. But I, I forget, dude. I I forget what I called it. Goose lumps, maybe it was something on the phone. <laughs> I'm gonna republish the book. I'm gonna have my mom. Dude, you, you might have to. And if it if it is in fact goose lumps, Dude. I don't. I think honestly, man, I think legally you're in the clear. I mean, it won't be scary. I have to redo it. It's totally not scary. It's from a kid's perspective. But I could I could play around with that. You might be able to. And this might be a whole new career for you, like young right? adult, like like children's horror. Dude, you know what? I, you may have, you may be onto something, dude. I have stories, bro. I grew up in a, my front yard growing up in this like government provided housing area. When we first moved to Maryland across the street, that yard was a complete cemetery. 
It was, hmm. dude, I remember, I have some stories of some stuff that I've seen that multiple people in the house have seen. Dude, I remember about to get my ass beat by my dad. <laughs> I ran into the bathroom and I curled up on the, on the toilet in the fetal position is what I had just saw. I was on laying on my back and I, I never rarely lay on my back to this day because of that. I saw some ghost spirits dressed up in colonial era oh. uniforms and they were walking past my doorway and then down going down the stairs. Nope. Like, nope. I'm yeah, out. Dude. I'm out. I, I see some, I see, listen, I see some colonial Americans and I'm not at Jamestown and right? see historical reenactment. I'm out, dude. Dude, I, but here it I is, got dude. stories, man. Yeah. Dude, here it Ran is, man. Bathroom. This is the next big adventure for Nick Irving, young adult horror. or children's horror writer, man. I the, like that. The, the, honestly, man, I like to consider myself well-read. I really do. I, I, uh -huh. I read a lot. Oh, yeah. I'd say yeah. the one book that had the largest impact on my life was R.L. Stein. Did a, he did three books about this ventriloquist dummy that came to life. Yes. Yes. And dude, they published they published the book in a in a you know they published all three books in one hardcover, mm -hmm. and if you press the dummy's mouth on the hardcover, the eyes lit up. Negative. And dude, I don't do I don't do the ventriloquist. Dummy dude, now. honestly, man, I had I had nightmares for months. Really, dude, I I don't know what it is. I, you know, granted, at that time, Nick was seven or eight years old, but. Yeah, yeah. It, I still honestly like if anybody was like, "Hey, let's go, let's go catch this ventriloquist." No, no, no. That, ventri no. that ventriloquist dummy came to life and tried to murder the entire family. Right. I don't do. Dude, there was a, a old show I seen about that too. Um, one that gets me was a uh, old childhood. Like it was on Nick at Night, based off of a Goosebumps book, and this guy who, if he went to sleep the ghost or the monsters would come out of the, the ocean or the lake and kill him or whatever. So he was not allowed to go to sleep. He had been awake for years. And for some reason that scared me and I tried to stay awake. And I was like, well, what if I go to sleep? What, what does that mean for me? So dude, I would get minimal sleep as a kid because I would scare, keep, keep myself awake scared. Oh yeah. Honestly, man, you should reach out and be like, hey, you guys prepared me for dealing with the sleep deprivation that Right, that was part of my military training. I need a Nick at Night sponsor, <laughs> dude. Two next, but I mean that. I mean that. Honestly, I mean we. I know we went off track, and that's okay because this, pod, yeah, yeah. this podcast thrives on going off track. Um, but that's interesting, man. Like, and and that's yeah, the thing. Yeah. Like, everybody sees, and you know, everybody sees the the books, and and nobody realizes that that writing can be cathartic. I like um, to tell. Stories, I attempt man. it. I attempt it. I'm not very good at it, um, dude. I think anybody can. You know what helped out for me? My first one was Dragon Speech. Dragon Just Speech. talking it out. Yeah. Yep. Yep. That was like, and then seeing how much you can form off of talking alone. You know what I mean? You're like, oh, wow. If I can talk about this stuff, it really isn't that much. It's just sitting down and doing this repetitive typing thing is, I think, you got to be in the zone, man. So that zone. that makes the whole the the whole catharsis even a little more tangible because uh -huh. honestly, man, like, dude, you were your own therapist. You were just talking it out, man. I didn't have any money, and the VA sucked, bro. The VA dude, sucked. The, well, like, don't I mean, listen, man. <laughs> I, I'm currently fighting the. Uh, listen, are you I fighting need, that battle too? 
Dude, it, it's not even for anything serious. Like, yeah, yeah, my back and my knees, right? The heavy mm-hmm. rucks, the jumps and things like that. Okay, Same. that's fine. It's not to the point, like, yeah, my back hurts every day, but it's not to the yeah. point where I, can, I, I can't do the job. Yeah. What I want them to fix is, dude, I developed varicose veins. Huh, where? On, on my legs. Like, I mean, like, like I'm a 72-year-old hairdresser. Who's really? Where? On the back dude, of like your I, No, on the, like the back of my knee and the inside of my knee. Uh-huh. Dude, they're, they're, first off, they're horrific to look at. Um, well, my my girlfriend it? sees them and she goes, what the hell am I looking at right now? I go, what? don't look at me. So dude, I'm just trying to get them to fix my, ver- like, and I never used to have them, man. I am convinced huh. it was, I don't know, maybe having a ruck on my back just for weeks at a time and mm. just grinding it out. I don't know what it Circulation? was. Circulation? Yeah, yeah. But they, they hurt now. Like now I do like a five mile run and my legs, like the varicose veins hurt. So I want them to fix what? that. What? Ow. Dude. And then I know all, you can feel your veins, is, bro. Dude. And all it is, is like, they're like, oh, we need to fit you for uh, compression stocking. Uh, well, it's been two years and I still don't have the stocking. So you don't see? need to tell me. Honestly, that's a, that's a small problem that the VA yep, could yep, do. Yep. Right? Like that's not, oh. I'm in crisis or, oh mm-hmm. my God, like I'm in a bad place or, oh my God, I'm in unbearable pain and I need yeah. something because there are dudes out there that are better in those positions. Oh yeah. All I need is a freaking compression sock Uh huh. before they, they're like, oh, you need to do that for nine months before we do the surgery. All right, whatever. Dude, they make they can't even do, it. they can't even do that. So when guys mm-hmm. go to the VA and, and they're, and honestly, you know, they're fucked up, man. Yeah. Um, I, I will never forget the fir- my first VA appointment. Cause I, I outprocessed fifth group, dude. Mm-hmm. I, 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 I got sent, I got, I got pulled for language school. Fifth group has a hard on for language training mm-hmm. and somebody in the company always has to be in language school. I'd never been, wow. I was getting ready to leave fifth group. They threw me in the language school. Um, so I had about three and a half weeks to outprocess the army, which, you know, most people yeah. get like six to nine months. Yeah. So I was, I was in a whirlwind, dude. Yeah. So Same I never way. got a exit physical from the army. What? So what I had to do was I had to go to the VA. Now I'll never forget this, dude. Honestly, this, 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 will, this will haunt me forever, man. First experience at the VA, man. And you can look this story up. It's right there. I go to the Cleveland VA to get my freaking physical. 28-year-old kid, he's my age, maybe a year younger at this point, blows his fucking brains out in the parking lot of the, the Cleveland VA. Oh, yeah. Yep. Because he, he just felt like he had nowhere else to turn. Mm-hmm. It's that I bad. There. I, I remember everybody oh, rushing out, you know, rushing out of the building. Wow. Like, dude, I was like, where, where am I? Right? It's a is different this, world, is this, is, this really, is this really the system that we have in place? Yeah, I mean, because honestly, we broke these guys. I, dude, I saw like Korean Vietnam vets. They're like in their seventies. Mm-hmm. There aren't even enough chairs in the waiting rooms. Right. These guys are like right. standing on, you know, on their walkers and things like that. It was awful, man. Yeah, man, it's a bad experience, dude. It's a war zone. It's its own war zone. Fighting for like things that I think, like, dude, I don't even, I don't think the army or anybody owes me anything. But it's like, dude, you put in certain work and you get messed up it's like you got to be like dude something like you did a lot of shit for whatever you know what i mean for the system 
to keep going the way it's going or just keep going in general, you know? I don't know, you should have to fight for certain things like that. But. And I, I don't know. I don't know what the I don't know what the solution is, dude. I don't know if, if it's if it's a if you privatize it, I don't know if you just totally overhaul it. It's bad. I would bro, yeah. I would overhaul it. I would I would clean it out, man, and start start from somewhere else. You know, have somebody who knows how to manage a, a big institution like that and a civilian, you know, and or something like I don't know, man. I would do a complete It needs to, I think man. Too many people have their hands in their in, in the VA pocket, the big pot of, you know, where they get these big donations and big money that comes in and stuff like that. I think that too many people saw the, the dollar sign and forgot the, the the vet, the veteran on the other end, man. So, you know, you came home and, and you struggled, man. And that and that's yeah, yeah. That you're that you're you're one of ten thousand stories. Right. And, and they right. weren't there. And it was just And you know what I and, I and thank God should... you found a way to cope, but go ahead. Oh, I think they should legalize marijuana, bro. I honestly do. I think like nationwide, you know, federally, everything. I think they honestly should. It, it's, I've talked to guys, you know, before and stuff like that. And dude, for me, and I've been smoking for like 10 years straight, every day, 365, man. And no one, no one knows it. You know, it's been, a, I've kept it a secret for a while, but I think after the like last year or so, I've been, kind of open about it and picked up some new ways from a cool culture of people. And, you know, marijuana just happens to be a part of that, but dude, it keeps me like, it doesn't, it, it keeps the books interesting. It sparks that portion of my Zen, whatever you want to call it, man. And it's like, I don't know. I think it would help a lot of guys out. I, a lot of guys out. Listen, you're not going to get an argument out of me. You're not, you're not the first dude who, who says, Hey, this, it helps me. A lot of dudes yeah, yeah. use it for pain management, man. I, I went to the VA. I'm like, listen, I'm still in, right? Because I'm still in mm -hmm. the guard. Um, but my back and my knees hurt. And they're like, oh, well, we could, you know, we can get you on some Percocets. I'm like, oh, my gosh. Dude. I'm like, dude, you, you really think I'm, I'm 30 years old. You think I'm going to start down this? I know because I, right? I know how this story ends. Yep. How I'm, many guys, bro, have Now I'm an seen? opiate addict. Yep. Yep. Do you remember guys, uh, what was that drug? Medics would keep it, uh, like the lollipop. Fentanyl, was it fentanyl? Fentanyl, yeah. We, we, yeah. we kept, now, and I will say, um, at least on an ODA, because 18 deltas, our medics are hard to come by. They are. Oh, wow. Um, because that's an additional training. It's, it's an additional attrition. And mm. 18 deltas are probably outside, like a top tier level one trauma center. Oh, they're good. 18 Deltas are probably and, – and Rangers go through Sockham, too. Yeah, yeah, Sockham. Um, That's what it was. Um, honestly, any, any 18 Delta-trained medic, I, I would place my life in their hands in terms of trauma Thank care. Thank um, But because there's usually only one per team, because there are so few – yeah, man, we have fentanyl lollipops in our, in oh. our med kit. You know, you, they, you loop it around the, your, you know, yeah, your yeah. finger, so the idea is when you pass out, you know, you your, your hand falls away and you don't OD on fentanyl. <sighs> um, but we also carried Narcan for that reason. Narcan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Our medics only carried that stuff. That's crazy. You guys carried that. But it was, it was just one of those things. It was, it was in our IFACs and mm -hmm. wow. Um, Cause you don't know, you know, you get into a firefight and the medic can't get to you and yeah. oh my God, my leg's blown off. You know how I need to get how, high. <laughs> <laughs> um. But yeah, dude. So I mean, this listen, I, I, listen, I'm still in. So I, you know, you can't partake. But you are not the yeah. first veteran who who says, "Listen, 
one, it saved my life. It's gotten me off Big the time. opiates because the opiates are harmful. They will ruin your life. Yeah, um, but even if it is just a coping mechanism, dude, like yeah. I, we, we expected dudes, we asked young men at the height of GWAT to go and yeah. do awful things, right? Oh, yeah. In faraway places. And it wasn't even like World War II, man. Like, yeah, those guys were gone for years. But in terms of like just the op tempo, combat, the combat mm-hmm. that guys saw. And they came back broken, man. They came oh, back yeah. broken. Imagine that's what scares me, man. Of I don't think we've even seen the, you know, influx of, of what's happened to guys mentally, you know, overseas. We're, we're, we're kind of still in it to some aspects. You know what I mean? So I think we haven't really officially seen like the, the, the trauma. Someone's phone's going off. I don't think we've seen the trauma, man, of uh, what this has done to, to young 18, 19, 20 year old minds, man. Hopefully there's better treatment later on down the line and maybe even the VA fixes themselves in, in that aspect. But I honestly do think that uh, whenever that time does hit, man, it, it'll be in for a, a rude awakening though. My bad. I totally thought you were coming back. Yeah, I got you, man. Sorry. No, you're good, man. Um, I I have a child's bladder. I really do. No, you're good. You're good. Is it, dude? Even, dude, even even in the army, man. Like, I I always even if I was in the turret, man. I had four empty water bottles in the turret with me. Dude, I just have I like just have a child sized bladder. What are you drinking? Caffeine or what? No, man, I'm, I'm drinking Claws. It's the end of the work day. What is it? It's White Claw, dude. Oh, White Claw. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I, yeah. So, I, just, just to let you know, my girlfriend is very much into the beer scene. It's her career. She's in, mm. she's in, she's in the beer uh, industry. Yeah. Uh, we're big beer fans. Uh, like, and not like, like, it's like good beer, you know, something to enjoy yeah. and things like that. Um, the tasteful but, beer. Yeah, yeah. I, I call them tasty cakes. Mm-hmm, with the um, but but during COVID, man, like the gyms closed, yeah, and there wasn't a whole lot to do. And th- that listen, man, I, me, I, listen, <laughs> I'm I'm an IPA fan, and at 400 yeah, yeah. to 500 calories of beer, like that, it was starting to hit me. Yeah, um, four or five hundred calories. Good gosh. Yeah, man. Well, a good IPA is. It's very hoppy. It's um, you know, so. I was like, listen, it's time to get back in shape. The the gyms are open. Um, I'm, I'm they're back about to close my... back down. Dude, what do you think about this? Don't don't say that. They have, dude. I live in Texas, so I'm, dude. I'm calling it. I think because this whole thing they say, don't ask me what I think about it, but they have this map that shows California, Texas, and Florida, the hottest places right now, all with this virus, right? I honestly think. They're going to say, oh, well, you're open too early. We're going to close all the way back down again. And it's not going to be for the three months, man. We're looking at like six months time. And they're going to wait for everyone to get mandatory testing. No. Listen. You don't think listen. so? Well, this is the I don't know. I don't know what they'll do. Um, here's what I do know. I do know that I most likely had COVID because my girlfriend was in Bali for a uh, – a, oh, wow. a yoga seminar and flew through South Korea right when this was hitting wow. and she came home and I got sick as hell for about two how months. bad was it it was a bad flu um uh-huh. 
And I thought, I was like, when, how did I get an upper respiratory infection and the flu at the same time? Oh. Um, but I will say this, listen, I think it's, you didn't you die. Know, did I, you? What's that? Did you die or anything? No, I didn't die, but <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's the thing, man. Like, yeah. listen, with this recovery rate and things like that. Yeah. Do I think it's spiked? Yes. Do I also think like, mm, I don't know, man. Are we seeing a spike in cases? Yeah. But, dude, these last couple weeks, man, we've been seeing, like, mass gatherings, right? Right. That's what blows my mind, man. And we've been seeing mass gatherings, and nobody – the CDC yep. has it – I don't know. And I don't know, man. Maybe they're just terrified being, like, labeled, like, racist or something. I don't know how you can – I thought of, I thought about that, at, you know, that aspect, too. Like, what if they're playing that? Like, hey, if we say anything, we're going to look. But you really can't because it's – if it's about health, right, the well-being – and if it's a supposedly affecting one demographic, you know, worse than the other or than anyone else, wouldn't you want to really say, hey, guys, may not be a good idea to be <laughs> protesting. They get it, man. Exactly. So, it, it, honestly, I mean, without going too deep into it, listen, right? I, I'm of the opinion the government is – the government, no matter who's in charge, is always going to try to exert their control on you and exert okay. as much control on you as possible. Yep. And Here comes and, the JDAMs. <laughs> yeah, we're about to get assassinated. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, uh, I don't hear any whistling. Right. Uh, but you know, honestly, that and that's my. So you know, if they have an opportunity to control your mm -hmm. life just a little bit, they're gonna. Yeah. You, you know, the old adage: you give a mouse a cookie, it's gonna ask for a glass of milk. Mm -hmm. I've heard that one, but I sure as hell would. Yeah, and so you know, <laughs> with, with this whole thing, like shutting down the economy, ruining people's livelihoods. Right. It doesn't matter because it was just a way it kept people in fear, man. Mm -hmm. it, it's, it's so, it's so, and, and that's it. Like, you can't tell me that 500,000 people literally last week, half a million people marched in Brooklyn wow. for, for black trans lives. Cool. I never heard of that, that one, that March, they don't advertise it. Or no one talks about it. They, they, it, it happened, and there were there was some there was some coverage of it. Um, wow. Black, yeah, you know, right, what? Maybe so, I had... like, listen, cool man, black trans lives. Hey, they they do matter, man. They do. <laughs> um, and and that's a good that's a good cause in my in my book. It is. We should we mm -hmm. should all be marching for for all sorts of cause. We we should be marching for causes that we're yeah, yeah, that yeah. we're passionate about. But the CDC. And if you see the photos, honestly, man, Google them. Just Google Brooklyn Black Trans Lives Matters March. People mm -hmm. are packed like sardines, dude. No mask or mask or what? No, even I don't know. Some have oh. masks. Some ha don't have masks. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Um, but if you see the aerials, you're like, holy God. Like they, <laughs> Somebody there has to have something. And then, yeah, the whole uh, Tulsa rally, you know, they said so many people had it, from, contracted it from there. But there were less people than what's happening at these uh, at protests or, or marches. I don't know. I think it's it's weird, man. It's weird. It Either they're scared to say something to shut it down, or want to shut it down, or even imply it, or they're just letting this thing spread like wildfire well, and like, whatever. I don't know. And it could be, man. Everybody's walking on eggshells right now in Big terms time, of yeah. race and things like that. Mm -hmm. um, weird times. It, it is. And, and I don't know, man, I, I, it's uh, me personally. I, I'm worried we're heading for a national divorce. I really am. Oh, what? A national divorce. What do you mean? Like, I, I think like these, like these, these, you know, these, 
And here's the thing, man. Like national divorce, national. Like, divorce. like, are, are we are we oh. heading? Like, are we heading towards like a, a break? Like, you know, yeah, I think versus so, bro. Two two groups of of people, man. Um, mm-hmm. I had Crazy. no intention of doing that, but since we're talking it, like, honestly, here's here's, and here's my thoughts. Mm-hmm. Like, you take a look at George Floyd, right? Yeah, yeah. And whole and God, yeah. Who who in the right mind looks at that and says, "Oh, there there this this was kosher or this <laughs> right, was fine, right right like yeah, yeah. right." But we're, dude, we're not even talking about George Floyd anymore. Exactly, dude. dude it's, it's and what, go ahead. I think what they're doing is like, I, I when you say national divorce, I think yeah, you're 100 percent right that there's been a a divide maybe that has been. I don't know, man. It finally exploded, and it's we're a matter of time away from I don't know another lockdown, another something. Before I just don't know how it's going to go back to. All right, nothing ever happened. Move on now. It, no, it would it, be awkward. It, it, you know, it's, it's not going to, man. And and my worry is is like, all right. So we stop. We stop talking about George Floyd. We got away from the conversation of. All right, let's take a look at like some police reform. Let's talk about mm-hmm. like a, a return to community policing. These are things that I think, you know, most people would agree warrants at yeah. least a conversation. Mm-hmm. Now you have, you know, certain factions, you have, you have, you have Antifa, you have other movements going on. And I think they've right. co-opted the movement. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. And it, and I'm worried that we're heading to a national divorce because it's, it's not like First, they were tearing down like statues of Confederates, and yeah, that's a whole another issue of hey, do mm-hmm. we preserve history to learn from it versus do we what what's the imagery that that is conveyed by having statues of the things like that? Mm-hmm. But you know, now they're just they're tearing down they're tearing down <laughs> statues of abolitionists, and they're yeah, tearing yeah. down statues of Ulysses S. Grant, who uh-huh. Frederick Douglass personally yeah. eulogized. Which is um, yeah, yeah. So that's where I'm starting to think, are we heading towards a national divorce? Because it's not so much, mm-hmm. hey, it's not so much, at least in my opinion, and feel free to respond. It's, in my mind, it, it's no longer Black Lives Matter or let's have a conversation about what happened to George Floyd or police brutality. It's yeah. now the movement is kind of like anti-America. And, and it is, though. It is. And I think that's, what, that's what's weird to me. You know, the like in the beginning, I, I went to a few uh, protests down here until it started getting crazy at nighttime. But you could see the infiltration of a different ideology, a different movement to come in. And it was quick, man. It was quick of I think right now it's people are just. Who are in charge of this thing are putting out, go after this now, go after this now, just because they find something, it's, it's, it's immediate. No one's like, okay, let's talk about it. First, it's just, hey, I found this out. Let's do this now. Let's do this now. And let's, it's, it's weird, man. I think everyone's going off of emotion. And it's a matter of time before government, big government, whoever steps in and says, okay, enough's enough. And those two, you know, that's when I think it's going to be a, a clashing moment when you have one group who's, who's set in stone of, of being a certain way and, and wants to do something, they have their agenda. And this other Entity, entity comes in and it says no more We're breaking it up everything's done now somebody somewhere is going to you know be labeled as a guy who fired that first one that the whole world you know heard eventually 
I don't know. It's weird. Weird times. It, it, it's very weird times. And yeah, I, I mean, I, 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 honestly, I wish we could just sit down and have a conversation. Yeah, man. We um, all need to, to sit down. Because no, no, nobody, nobody wants to see this happen. No. And the people who do, man, I think are only just out for, uh, for hate anyways. You know what I mean? If, if anybody wants this to happen, dude, I, you're right. I don't think anybody wants to. As bad as it would get, you know, for anybody, it would just be unnecessary, horrific stuff for no reason. Just unnecessary, you know? I don't know, man. I think I, – I really wish we could just all sit down and say, hey, let's just be Americans talking to Americans. Right? Because it's all over the TV now, and we're letting everybody else in the neighborhood know, you know, mom hits dad and stuff like that. You know, we got to keep it in-house, man. Yeah, man. Like, seriously, out. dude. Now we 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 got the freaking official Twitter accounts of Iran and China right? lecturing us about. Oh well, look look at this. I'm like, are you, yeah. dude? Are you kidding me right now, dude? dude that's how bad it's gotten. It, it's it's bad, man. And I I don't know, man. I just I really it wish feels we weird. Just, I really wish we could just be Americans, just talking to Americans. I really do. About a, yeah, no joke, man. Having other countries like call us out, like it, it feels like, man, dude, to be mocked and made just is weird. By by the worst human rights offenders in the world, right? Like, right, dude. Iran, yeah. You said Iran. Like, yeah, dude. Iran, wow. dude. Iran just hung fifteen people this week. Unreal for Unreal. for homosexuality. They they oh just my gosh, did. Dude. Like that's a weird one for me. I'll never understand that. Like to kill someone because of that is so weird to me. It's weird to me, man. You know. And, and so, so however and, they want well, to live life. Yeah, man. Well, it's just it, it, for them. It's scoring political points, but at the same time, uh -huh. it's like, hey, like we need to start like looking at the 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 second and third to use an SF term, a second and third order effects kind of scenario here. Uh, um, mm -hmm. yeah, we can we can have this conversation, but when we you know. When a faction literally takes over six blocks of U.S. territory, Golly. and dude, a legitimate warlord takes hold of power. that one got me, dude. That one, dude. That Raz, dude. Dude, that Raz, yeah. dude. He was a he, dude, man. He like fucking he took over, man. Listen, that was a weird one for me. I'm like, this is how it's gonna be. This is the competition <laughs> here. This, this is the competition of warlords. Holy shit. Yeah, your block's mine. But no, I'm like, dude. Hopefully, or have those cops have they come in to take it take it back yet? I heard something about they were going to go in there and take it back. Well, the the it's actually funny, the the uh, mayor who was saying don't be afraid of democracy and she was all for this. Yeah. Well, it turns out, <laughs> turns out, and Chaz or Chop or whatever you want Chop, yeah, was yeah, just yeah. a a uh, a festering pool of of murder and assault and she ordered seattle pd to go back in wow have so, they gone in yet i i think i I'll, i think they're in the process of it as we record this. that's gonna be interesting i mean look at that place no law what do you expect i would never want to even volunteer to go to that place how yeah. do you sleep at night in that place that's and that's that's what i said man i i had julio rosas on here um mm -hmm. He he's he writes for Town Hall, but he's kind of cut his teeth by going on the ground to these protests and things like wow. that. 
And he goes, dude, all you have to like, you got to talk to like the people who just live in that area. And they just wow. kind of got pulled in. They're like, Oh, I don't know about this. Wow. Like, that's just like, this is where we live. And all of a sudden, you know, police. And, Lord. Yeah, dude. And the, and, and he's the, got a gun. Dude. Oh, crazy, my. crazy times, man. And I, honestly, dude, I, I don't know, man. I think we just really need to, to have a return of, Hey, you're an American. And that, and that's the thing, man. And that's, you know, honestly, man, we, uh, you mm -hmm. know, for the, for the civilian listeners here, and I, I think it's, I think it's, it's probably a universal truth among, I don't know about, well, probably conventional side, but definitely for the soft dudes. Um, honestly, man, like the, I, God, this is going to sound very un-PC of me, but dude, I, I value the lowliest American life at a magnitude of the value of anybody else's. Mm -hmm. I really do. You mm -hmm. take the, the lowliest drug addled, you know, what we would consider like just a, a drag of society yeah. type. And I, I value that, you know, I just, I value too. that life at a, at a, at a number. If I had to assign a number at the magnitude of anybody else's, um, mm -hmm. And I think we need, maybe we need to return to that and just be like, Hey, we're, yeah, we're just, we're all just Americans here. Right. Dude, I, I'm, it'd be interesting to see when that time, I don't think we've hit that peak yet, you know, which is scary. Maybe, I don't know, things will return back to normal when Seattle gets retaken back those six blocks of whatever's going on. I don't know, man. It'd be interesting to see. I, I, what I don't want to see is like bloodshed. You know what I mean? No. And, and, and I don't, and I, and then I don't want, and on the flip side, like, I don't want to see like a total crushing of individual rights to do right? so. Yeah. You yeah. know, at the, at the same time, man, like, listen, I, I've been very clear, like, Hey, in terms of police brutality and, 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 fr you know, and, you know, infractions of individual rights, they, those are also important conversations to big have. Big time, big time. Um, so yeah, man, it, it's definitely interesting. And I, yeah, I, wow, we really got off a, we really went All off good. a tangent yeah, yeah. there, dude. <laughs> right? Dude, it's the life happens, of the COVID, man. man. It's the life but, of the COVID. It, dude, man, everybody's, everybody's balled up. Everybody's on edge. Right. But, dude, so, honestly, man, first off, I, you know, I, I'm so glad we learned to, you know, kind of that, that motivation behind writing the books and, and things like that. And dude, you kind of, oh, yeah. you, you've definitely have, you've turned it into a thing, man. You like, you got the books, yeah. you, know, you got the people now it's all out. fiction now, all made up stuff. We got the novel series going, man. Hell yeah, dude. That's dude. That's, that shit's fucking dope as fuck, man. And you have the exclusive man before you called. Uh, yeah. I was going to bring this up. Bring it up. Dude. Yeah. I, I can't say the people who picked it up, but it's going to be turned into a uh, TV series. Hell. Vic Harwood. The, the the novel series, man, is dude. now officially going to be a TV series. I'll dude. make that announcement sometime in the distant future, near future. But yeah, just got off the phone with that guy from a big company. Yeah, yeah, who wants to take it in? Well, yeah, it's all done. So that was cool, man. Dude, that's that's awesome, man. I you know honestly, I love hearing that because, dude, in terms of like you know representing and I, I really hope that you're you remain kind of a part i'm 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 oh, assuming yeah. you're you're planning on remaining a part of the process to keep oh, yeah. things true to whatever and things like that definitely 
But that dude, that's awesome, man. Yeah, you 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 got a good thing going. You got the books, dude. Um, now we just live you, in link, the you fiction world. Up, and, and now in the fiction world, you linked up with a bunch of good guys over at. Uh, oh yeah. You're you're with the the Black Rifle dudes, right? No, 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 no. I've been independent since a long yeah, pretty much the beginning. Okay, I didn't try I, to I, keep it. Okay, keep it keep things separate. Okay. Oh yeah. Nothing wrong with them though. No, no, no. no. I support no. all veteran veteran owned companies. There you go. You have to, man. Yeah, man. I didn't know if you were you were you were hooked up with them or or whatnot. Dude, was that you in that Granger Smith music video? Yeah. Hell yeah, dude. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They don't like, yeah. That was a good time. That was an all-day event, but a good time. Good time. Got dude, it's just razors and firearms, dude. That's a great yeah. day. Dallas Cowboys cheerleaders came out. They were there. It's a good time, man. It's a good time. Dude, that's awesome, man. Dude. I almost had to throw my cheering out there back when I was a high school cheerleader. Varsity. Um, kidding, hold, kidding, bro. Hold, <laughs> hold up no, here. Negative. <laughs> that would be no. Oh, nothing, nothing against it. If, if, if you know, it's not me. Just I not you. I'm not. I'm not flexible. I got a bad no. back. Listen, I, I, I live by a very set stringent code. I don't <laughs> stretch. I don't stretch. You don't either, dude. When I do stretch, it's very minimal. Like before a run, I'll you know pull my leg here, pull my leg here, but I'm I'm gonna send it, you know. What, what That's it is, man? Yeah, dude. Well, listen. Here, here's here's my thought. Listen, you know, like for a leg day, right? Mm -hmm. Get 135 pounds on the bar, right? Do a set, and then you're like, all right, I'm gonna just loosen everything up, and then I'm gonna do a stretch. <laughs> uh -huh. But then I look at my watch. I go, well, do I really want to spend 10 minutes stretching, or do I want to no. like use it? No. So I just I, listen, man. You just fucking wow. just send it, dude. Yeah, ten minutes. Is that like minimum or what? I don't know, man. I don't know. I my, know my, minutes. Listen, my my girlfriend's a yogi, so she's all about stretching. Dude, I, I, I actually wanted. It. I thought about it. Have you ever thought about getting into yogi yoga? Listen, I mean, have I? Yeah, have I done it in the I past? I, I, I have I done it in the past for other females. Yes. Yeah, yeah. She hasn't pushed it on me. And she's like, she's huh. a professional. Like she's certified and she's done all this training all over the world. Um, That's the difference. She's a pro. But she hasn't pushed it on me. She's huh. suggested it. I don't know, man. Maybe, maybe, who knows? I might give it a shot. I've heard good things about it. Especially guys like, you know, bad backs and stuff. Being limber. I could see the benefits of it. I'm just, I wouldn't do it in a public setting. I would not. I just. I just don't know how I look in Lululemon. Uh, you got to do it inside. Dude, I'm doing all this inside my, my own comfort. I'm closing the blinds, everything. You don't YouTube, want anybody dude. seeing that. No, YouTube. Go on YouTube, pull up a, a instructor, and you go along. I would never be called out in public. Doing that. <laughs> dude. <laughs> oh, dude. That's me. Well, hey, man, I, I, I don't want to keep you. Um, this has been an absolute blast. It really Good has time, been. Good man, it, it's, it's an absolute honor and a privilege to, to uh, hear your stories. That's what, you know, the podcast, yeah, we venture off and we do some wazoo things on the podcast. We talk to some people, but the, the, core, the core of the podcast is really sharing these stories, getting these stories out here. And I know yours is out there. Um, it's a good for, talk regardless. But yeah, it's always, it's always, it's, and it's always good to talk about it. So 
All right. Hey, I'm, I'm, let's, let's give it – listen, I, I'm not going to butcher the title. I know – listen, you got Reaper in the way of the Reaper, but I don't know the, the full, the full uh, title. So give, give, give us your books, man, and, 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 the, and the, uh, the uh, fiction series, which I have not yet yeah. picked up. The, yeah, so the autobiographies are the Reaper, Way of the Reaper, and then I have my fiction series, Reaper Ghost Target, Reaper Threat Zero, and Reaper Drone Strike, which drops this July 21st of this year. Yeah, next month. Dude. Next month. Awesome. Oh, yeah, I appreciate it, man. Dude, that's awesome. Hey, guys, uh, Nick, man, thanks so much for joining us. It was, it was, a, it was a blast, dude. Oh, yeah. Um, Guys, I know I, I, I always forget, so here it is. I wrote myself a note right here to actually plug some things. Guys, if you like it, if you're watching on YouTube, go ahead, like, comment, subscribe. I had to say it. It does help the, the YouTube algorithms and push this stuff on unsuspecting victims when they log on to YouTube. <laughs> um, if you guys are listening uh, on iTunes, give me, give me a five-star review. Just drop a comment. Say, like, hey, man, Nick – He's, he's, you know, we're, we're, we're listening to this on iTunes for a reason because we don't want to take a look at his face. Right. Um, yeah. Listen, dude, I know. Listen, I, I'm, I'm mediocre in everything I do, including my books. <laughs> but, <laughs> and uh, honestly, guys, if you, if you guys like this, uh, hit me up. I'm, I, I broke down. I created the Patreon. Uh, it helps me maintain equipment, get new equipment, and uh, hopefully once COVID lifts, if it ever does, to do some face-to-face interviews um, because, you know, it, it, the, this virtual is great, but at the end of the day, the, uh, the, the face-to-face is really kind of the, the goal, especially the old-timers. There's a lot of old-timers that have incredible stories that need to be shared, and yeah. we're losing them every day, and I want to get those stories out there and getting them to – download zoom and get this done is a it's it could be a chore so uh the patreon will go to that everything in the patreon goes to to the podcast maintain the podcast things like that guys so appreciate your support nick once again dude can't thank you enough this was fun all good man i'm gonna go get my son up from his nap hell yeah dude hey i appreciate you brother all right be well man you too thank you yep take it easy